There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look, then you will see On WCN-TV friends. Thank you for joining me today here on WCN-TV. I am your co-host, Dr. Mike Spaulding. It's good to be with you again here on this Tuesday. Special guest today, a good friend of mine, um, fellow warrior for the Lord Jesus Christ with a testimony that I think is, is going to bless you and it's going to remind you of something. It should remind you of the words of Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 36. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed, because it is the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, that breaks every chain that unshackles us, if you will, from the bondages that the enemy places us in. The Father wants us to live free. He wants us to enjoy and live in the liberty of love that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the enemy is constantly sowing snares, tears, throwing traps and and obstacles in our path. Well, it's good to hear a testimony every now and again. I love hearing testimonies at church, in fact. I love hearing people honor the Father and the Son by talking about what God has done in their lives and how he has brought them through and out of certain things. And the reason for that is twofold. One, it's a word of encouragement. It's a word of encouragement. But it also reminds us, friends, that we of all people should be people who hold on to hope. The circumstances of life and and the things that we find ourselves in from time to time, they don't define who we are. They certainly don't define our future. They do not define the plans that the Father has for us through living life as a disciple of the Son. And so my, my friend Mark has agreed to join us today to give his testimony of where he has been and where he is now in a Along the way, we're going to talk about what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I say that, and and I hope that you're not put off by that, 
by talking about discipleship. The reason that I say I hope you're not put off by that is I think that's one reason why the church, generally speaking, is failing today is that they are not being disciples who disciple other people. So it's it's incumbent upon us that we do that, friends, that we take an active role in discipling. And what that means is we're going to have to come along other people. We're going to have to come alongside of them and walk with them and listen. You all know, some of you by your own testimony, that life can be messy. Life can be ugly. It can be hurtful. There are sorrows along the way, but there is few things that bring greater joy into the life of a believer when we are able to walk somebody into the light that is the Lord Jesus Christ and then watch them experience the love of the Father. What a beautiful thing that is. So say all of that as an introduction uh, to welcome my friend Mark Miles to the show. Mark, thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a it's a blessing and an honor uh, to do so, Mark. We have uh, we've known each other for for a few years now. We've got <laughs> yes. miles under the belt, as they say. Um, and um, one of the things that I appreciate about you, Mark, is your steadfastness in in loving the Lord, your steadfastness in the joy of the Lord, and your steadfastness uh, in wanting to share the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, with, with everyone you meet, and I'm going to qualify this, and this may surprise some people, but I'm going to qualify that. Sharing the Lord Jesus Christ with everyone you meet as the Holy Spirit leads you to do that. Amen. We were, we were talking a little bit before we went on the air, Mark. Sometimes the Lord will say, not now or not yet, won't he? <laughs> yes, yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, he'll say, uh, <clears throat> wait, I'm still working on him. Um don't go there. And, and if we do sometimes, well, that can become a mess in a hurry, can it? Yeah. So I was sharing that with you earlier. I've got chewed up and spit out several times. Yes. Yeah. That, that happens a lot uh, when we don't <laughs> listen to the Lord. Yeah. I got so, ahead of him for sure. So, so, so Mark, you've been delivered from the bondage of drugs and, and, um, and, yeah. and you were truly delivered. You, you were uh, the epitome of John eight, 36 he whom the sun sets free is free indeed yes and and you were um and i don't mean to minimize this or 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 try to belittle this situation at all but you were the 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 typical um drug addict person that was in bondage to drugs and and um and but didn't want to really admit that Absolutely. I will try to be as transparent as I can, but yes, yes. So why don't you, why don't you give us uh, a little bit of background, your testimony, what your life was like before Christ, then when Christ came into your life, and now since then. We'll start there. Okay. Well, that's been oh, about 22 years ago next month. Uh, it's been a long time, so I'll try to try to be as accurate as I can. 
but uh, before Christ, I had started doing drugs and alcohol around the age of 11. Um, come from a split home and uh, eight, eight kids in the home, you know, so didn't leave a whole lot of uh, room for that one-on-one -on -one love that um, I believe all kids need. And uh, so I end up um, looking for that love in other places and other things. Um, and uh, it led to drugs and alcohol at an early age. And that continued on through my adult life. Um, it started out with just um, beer, pot, eventually led to cocaine, crack. Um, anything that would try to fill that void, you know, that that you that you carry around in your life when you're not having the the, the love and the affection that you need as a child growing up. Um, so it was a very reckless lifestyle. Um, you, I, I ended up just believing the lie that everyone say, Hey, only the strong survive. And I figured that I was still surviving. So I must've been pretty strong. And as life went on, um, the addictions got worse. Um, uh, I have a brother who um, had got saved, but he had lived the same lifestyle as I did. And um, by then, I'm 20 years into my addiction and started telling me about Jesus and how God loved us. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around that. I, I did not believe that. I um, figured that if God loved me so much, why was I experiencing the pain or the abandonment or just uh, the lack of love and emotional uh, need that I had. And um, if he loved me that much, why was I experiencing everything that I was experiencing? So when he would talk to me about Jesus, I was pretty rude. And um, one day, I, I thought that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to really show him something, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get me a Bible and I'm going to read it and I'm going to prove that God does not exist. And I was going to prove him, prove to him that he was sold out and caught up in a, a in a cult or something like that. And, and so I read the Bible. I found a Bible that I had, re I had borrowed it from a sister of mine and, I read that Bible from cover to cover. It took me about two years. And um, I didn't understand hardly any of it. <laughs> I, I didn't. Um, uh, again, uh, I was just still grasping for straws, trying to prove my brother wrong. And two weeks after uh, I finished the Bible, which my brother never knew I was even reading it. No one knew that I was reading it other than my wife at that time. And um, at the end of that two years, two weeks later, my brother got killed in a, in a train car accident. And I get kind of emotional when I talk about that. Cause I think, you know what, here we go again. You know, this is, you know, my brother's telling me about a God that loves us. And here I had one person in my life that really, 
accepted me for who I was. And that was my brother. And uh, I thought, wow, you know, you're going to tell me that Gary's a God and, and that he's real and he loves us. And yet he takes this one person away that accepted me for who I was. But strange enough, two weeks later, um, I find myself in a church and the Lord saved my soul. And the journey started there. I, I left that church. I knew I got saved. There was something different that happened to me. All the pain and the, the, the guilt, the shame, the um, lack of love, all of that was just fulfilled. The, the, the guilt and shame that I've carried for 21 years at that time as an addict, all the people I've hurt um, was lifted. It was gone. And I, I knew something happened to me. I knew, I knew that, that something was taking place that day. But I still went back to living the same lifestyle that I always lived because that's the only life I knew. And um, I had a friend come to my house one day and he told me, he said, you know, you need to start reading the word of God. And I said, man, I read that book. And I said, I really didn't understand a handful of, of it. And he said, try now. He said, now you have the Holy Spirit who lives within you, and he will lead you and guide you into all truth. And he said, start reading the Bible again. So I did, and it really started making sense to me. But I was still living that lifestyle that it, in, in my addictions. And one night, um, it just wasn't fun anymore. I, I was on drugs. I was had been drinking, but it just felt like a heavy weight came on me that I I knew I was doing wrong, and to my knees. And I said, God, if if you are who you say you are, I said I need help. I said I've been trying to quit this for twenty one years of my life, and I said. I have not been successful. And he delivered me right there on the spot. He took the the desire for drugs away from me. He took the desire for alcohol away from me. He truly set me free that night. I was a new person after that. I, uh, I, I started reading the word and I started growing and I just couldn't get enough of his word. I was just consuming it every chance I got. I just wanted to know him more and more because I knew that he delivered me. And, and if he could do that, I knew he was who he said he is. Totally changed my life. Yes. Amen. Amen. And um, Mark, because I know you well, <laughs> you're a close friend and a, and a brother, uh, I also know that um, you're a good illustration of the truth that the Father is is always working in our lives to conform us into the image of Jesus. Um, once we're born again, once we're delivered from the from the power of sin over us, and we recognize that and we understand that clearly. That's when the real battle begins. <laughs> yes. As, as so many people have testified before, 
that's when the enemy pulls out all the stops to try and regain the territory that he lost, territory possession, we could say it that way, <laughs> our souls. The enemy pulls out all the stops to come after us hard, hard. And 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 one of the things that you you have shared on a, a number of occasions um and and I just rejoice in that in your testimony of that is that the Lord had to show you what it really meant to love him yes. what loving him really meant could you could you share that with those who have joined us today <laughs> yes i mean um you're so right. That is where the battle began. And I was so unaware of that, um, that, you know, I thought that once the drugs were gone, that everything was just going to be easy street from there. And it really wasn't. Um, I had met my wife at that time in, a, in the bars and we, we, like I said, we had that lifestyle in common and we, we lived that way. And, um, so when the Lord delivered me from that, I had quit the drugs, you know, I didn't have any desire for that, but the enemy just started really hammering on me and, um, I didn't know how to handle it. I really didn't. I lived, I lived that mountaintop experience for quite some time that and when i say mountaintop experience i had a friend tell me that god wanted me to um confide in him about everything and i mean he said that you know god wants to be so involved in your life that he wants you to even ask him where you go buy your next pack of socks he and i didn't understand that and he said because god can put you at the right place at the right time to be able to talk to the right person about jesus christ so I started doing that, and I tell you, I experienced a lot of mountaintops with the Lord. God led me to write a testimony uh, that touched many lives, and people were were confessing Christ, repenting of their sins, and confessing Christ. And um, right after that, I went through a divorce, and oh, it broke my heart. You know, I, something I did not ever want to go through. And it was tough. So when you say, um, I don't want to get off track here. So can you repeat, repeat that question about? Yes. Yes. So, so when we're born again and we're delivered from the power of sin and we then begin to grow in the, in the grace and the mercy of the Lord, and he begins to pour into our lives, we can listen, friends. I think this is a word for somebody. We can, as we're traveling that path, we can get really close to the side of the road in that ditch. And if we're not very careful, we're going to run off into the ditch and not think that we're in the ditch because we're still, you know, we're still on the narrow path, but we're kind of in this ditch. And, and well, let me just state it plainly. I'm trying to illustrate, paint a picture for you. What I'm talking about is we can become dogmatic about a number of different things that really begin to separate us from the heart of the Father. Anything from, listen, 
Anything that interferes with the love of God toward people is something that we need to get rid of. We need to get rid of it out of our lives. We need to understand what it means to have the Father's heart for the lost, especially. Now, it goes without saying for brothers and sisters of the faith that we should be showing them the Father's heart in love and in gratitude. But Mark, sometimes Christians don't know how to love others because they don't really know how to love God. That's right. That's right. And and I didn't. I didn't know how to love others and I didn't know how to love God. You know, I just knew that I was delivered from drugs and alcohol. And I thought that, you know what, nobody should be doing drugs and alcohol. And and I probably did get dogmatic. Matter of fact, I know I did, you know, because I started preaching that message, you know, and 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 that's not the heart of the father. That's not. I mean, yes, God does want people to be delivered. But there's a way to present that message and a way not to. And I definitely um, did not present it the right way. And it turned around and bit me. It mm-hmm. bit me hard. I, yeah. I ended up going back to that lifestyle because I didn't understand. I didn't understand the heart of God. I didn't understand how to love God or love others. Yeah, and one of the things, um, that the Lord has taught me over the years, um, Mark, and, and, and you and I have had conversations about this uh, personally. Um, in fact, I started sending out, and I, I need to send one out today to all the men in the men's ministry at Calvary. Um, it's it's men, we need to pray for our wives. Yes. And, and, and the point that I made last week in the very first uh, email devotional on that subject, pray for your wives. Um, <laughs> I made a statement there that said, men, we need to pray for our wives so that God can change us. Yes. <laughs> so that God can change us. And, and, and I know that some people say, well, now how in the world or, or, how does that work? I'm praying for my wife that God will change her. And you're t- telling me that I need to pray for my wife so God can change me. It's like, yeah, that that has to be the place where we start. Because the fact of the matter is, men, we can be the biggest hindrance yes. to our wives becoming what God wants them to be. And, and it isn't until we get our ourselves lined up with the Father in the Father's heart for our wives, this gift that he has given us in our wives, it's not until we get lined up, will he be able to pour into us who we need to be so that they can be who he wants them to be. Amen. You know, Pastor, that 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 is so perfect for, for my life. I mean, that 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 points right to me because I didn't know how to love God and I didn't know how to love others that I, I actually thought that God saved me so I could go change other people, <laughs> you know, and, and that's so far <laughs> from the truth, you know, um, my lifestyle may be by showing others the love of Christ and the way that he uh, wants us to do that could help someone realize, you know, that they need to hold on to Christ even more and start walking in his ways. But I'm definitely not the one to change somebody. 
Um, and you're so right. Uh, God was really it changing me. And um, it took a long, long, hard road for me to even be able to come to that uh, truth um, that, that that's who he really wanted to change. And now I can look back and see that that's why we call it a personal relationship and not a religion is because, you know, it starts with me. He wants to change me. And then I can help lift others up that they too can see that that's what God truly wants in our lives to change each one of us as individuals. That was a hard lesson to learn. And it's taken about 19 years to really even see that and and start understanding that, wow, you know what? It is me and him. Yeah, and, and, and once we once we grasp that that truth though, Mark, it really changes our perspective uh on things and and it changes our how we look at people. It it can deliver us from a from a judgmental attitude. The circumstances that we find ourselves in, the the, the events that unfold we begin to stop looking at them merely from an outward appearance. And we begin to see what is the father doing in this situation? What is he trying to bring into fruition? And then that changes our attitude so that we say, father, I want to come alongside of you and I want to work with you to bring fruit in this situation that changes everything in our yeah. in our ministry, in our outlook, and in even when we go to the streets in in ministry. And I know that's something that you and and your wife Sandy enjoy doing. And and it's coming up spring here in Ohio, so the weather mm-hmm. is is turning. And I can't wait to get back out on the streets here in Lima and begin sharing the love of Jesus again. It's it's these these winter months here, they can be harsh and it makes it difficult, but spring is here. And so I'm ready. How about you? Yes, I am. I am. Could Can I share a, a minute about when we take our focus off of, of the fact that God wants to minister to us and grow please, us up? Please do. And, and, you know, when I... I didn't know I, I I took my focus off the truth of the word of God and I tried to start controlling situations. Um, you know, that's a, a flaw that I have. I think that I can tweak it just a little bit, you know, and and uh, oh, it was a train wreck. Pastor, you know, you know what I went through. And, um, you know, it was it was some of it was self-inflicted and some of it was definitely a spiritual uh, battle. But um, I took my focus off of of that love that God has for us. I took my focus off of of the change that he was doing in my life. And when I come up against those those hard life lessons, those hard things to deal with, I forgot that um, that I still had a responsibility to respond in a godly way. And I didn't. And uh, uh, broke my heart. Um, you know, I go back and live the same lifestyle that I always lived and, you know, started believing the lies of the enemy that, you know, nothing's changed. And um, I'm just so thankful that, uh, 
God never gave up on me. And, um, you know, and he brought me to that place. And we talked about that love, you know, and I, I had to cry out to God and, and I had to tell him that I, I don't know how to love you the way I'm supposed to. And I don't know how to love others the way I'm supposed to. So I don't even love myself. Obviously, I'm, I'm doing the things that I was doing. And, you know, and God is so faithful when we cry out to him and when we confess our sins and repent. Um, he's so faithful to restore us, you know, to forgive us and to restore us. And that's what he did. He started teaching me uh, how to love him and how to love others uh, simply by pointing me to his word and instructing me in that in First Corinthians um, chapter 13. And he was asking me, are, are you loving this way? Said, no, I, I'm not. And and when I cried out to him and asked him to forgive me, he truly did. And he and he started teaching me that. And, and that's given me a whole new perspective of how I see other people now. You know, I see them in that love of God. I see the way God loves me and was patient with me. Um, and I want to do the same thing for others. I want to tell people about Jesus, and now I can really talk to them about the love of God uh, in, a, in a whole different light that makes a whole lot more sense and makes better sense than the way I was trying to tell them about the love of God through Jesus Christ. Yes, amen. And, and when, when we're out sharing uh, on the streets, uh, whether it's here in Lima or, or some other place, um, it's it's important for us, um, I believe, to to emphasize uh, the Father's love for lost people and the Father's love within the context of offering Christ as a sacrifice, substitutionary atonement, um, redeeming us from the power of sin, breaking that curse, the scripture says, over us and, and bringing us into a, a direct relationship with him. And something that, that I've, I've been thinking a lot about recently, Mark, is this. Um, lost people, for the most part, this is a general broad brushstroke statement, but lost people... Um, when they think about God, they they think of him as a strict disciplinarian who demands perfection. And if they step out of line, he's going to whack them. And um, that's just not, that is not our father. That's not our heavenly father. That is not the creator. That's the Bible does not give that picture of the father at all. And um, and the fact that he is willing to offer to anyone who would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ complete forgiveness and adoption as a son or daughter shows us that it isn't about what what we can do; it's about what he's already done. Yes, and 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 so um, I've adopted. I've adopted this, this perspective, and I try to share this with people. Listen, the Father's love 
is not dependent upon you being obedient. The Father's love is lavishly poured out on you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You don't have to work to earn his favor. That's it, right. is, it is yours. It is, it, it, it is yours through Christ. And I think that removes the, this, this burden. And it's, it's demonic. The devil places this, this false idea uh, upon people. But I think that removes one obstacle anyway to them understanding just how gracious and merciful the love of God is. Yes, and, and you know, it's amazing that it took me 19 years to realize that, you know, because in the beginning, that's how I seen God, as as you always use the illustration of the uh, carnival game, whack-a-mole, you know, and uh, as soon as your head pops up and you screw up, he's up there with a big club ready to crack you right upside the head. and And so living in that lifestyle i or living that way i like to use the um the illustration now is that you know our whole life we've been um uh the word i want to use we want we've been conditioned that anything worth having we have to work for it and and i think that um we drag that into the church today and and so we we come to a this idea that we think that we even have to work for the love of God and and we don't. I mean, I think that's why Jesus said that, you right. know, it is finished. He did it all. We Amen. we don't we can't earn that. We we can't. And it took a long time for me to realize that I am loved by God. Yes, I've made a lot of poor choices in life. Uh, even since I've been saved, but when God just showered me with that love and that grace and, and showed me that, you know, Hey, I, I love you. I'm, I'm here for you. It really gave me a whole new perspective on how those responsibilities play out in our life. You know, do I really trust God? Do I really trust him and take him at his word? And when I got to that point that, he broke my heart over my sin and me still trying to control things that uh, I realized that, okay, this is a whole new ball game for me now. You know, I do love the Lord now. I, I, I understand that love and, and I understand that um, I have a responsibility now and it's whole, oh, oh, totally different. I have a responsibility how am I going to respond to difficult situations? Am I going to trust God at his word? Or am I going to try to worry and, and control the situation? I believe that God is sovereign. I believe that he is in control and that he has good things in store for me and good intentions towards me. So when I believe that and I take him at his word and I, it gives, I am able to look at these situations that arise in our life and a whole new light. Amen. Amen, Mark. So a couple of couple of scripture passages come to mind. I'm, I'm listening to you share your thoughts. One is that Jesus is both the author and finisher <laughs> of our faith. He, he, he began that work in us. He is faithful to complete it, um, the scripture says. Now, 
What that also enables us to do is to rely on his resources for our continual transformation. We don't have to look to our own. And and so that brings to mind the the other passage of scripture where Paul asked the Galatians, having begun in the spirit, are you now trying to be perfected in the flesh after receiving this gift of eternal life, faith, and the and the transformation that comes with that, are you now trying to take over and by your own cunning and and devices, trying to perfect yourself, a work that only God can do? That brings great peace to my mind and to my soul, Mark, when I understand and accept the fact that God has already provided everything that we need in Christ Jesus for us to be conformed into his image. What is important for us to do is day by day, surrender ourselves, submit ourselves to his leading, and he's going to lead us in the right path, isn't he? Yes. Um, I think you cut off, uh, uh, but, um, you know, you let me, you let me, let me fill in for you a couple weeks ago and, um, you know, I was teaching on the gifts and, and God really, really was just ministering to me like he always does, you know, um, that, you know, always deals with my heart before I can present it to somebody else. And, and that word faith in the context that, um, I was teaching in that day, um, his word was saying that is, uh, it means trusting him even in the most difficult circumstances or situations. And, and that's the question he asked me, you know, when I was in rebellion towards him and I thought that I really trusted him and he showed me, he said, did you trust me in this situation when you did this? Or did you trust me in this situation when you did that? And he showed me my sin. It broke my heart. And I was like, no, I didn't. When when we come to, I came to myself and realized, that, no, I didn't. I didn't trust him. So um, he shows us that we can trust him in every circumstance and every situation. You said it. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth and the seas and all that's in them. And yet he's concerned about us individually to the point where he said that he has our hairs on our head numbered. So I, he loved me enough to save me and he loves me enough to continue to change my life. And so I have to look at every situation now um, when I read the Bible as a perfect mirror, you know, reflecting where I am with God and my trust in him today. Amen, Mark. And, um, you know, talking about street ministry again, I'm getting excited because the weather's changing and and we're going to get to we're going to get to go out and and talk to people and encourage people. Um, We like to pass out Bibles when we go. And I've mentioned this before, uh, Mark, and you're a Gideon. So so this is this is a good segue. But uh, you can you can go if 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 you know someone who is a Gideon in your ecclesia, um, you can ask them about becoming a friend of the Gideons. And what that will do for you is it'll make these little pocket testaments available uh, to you as a friend of the Gideons. Now you'll notice that there's no Gideon seal on there. 
and that's the reason for that is, and I know this because Mark told me, is that only the Gideons can pass out the pocket testaments with the Gideon seal. It's the same pocket testament, friends. It's the same pocket testament. Um, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs, and it has a, a place in the back in all of these where if you're out passing these out and you share Christ with someone and they receive Christ, they're on the spot. They can record that just like we used to do in the old days. We used to record marriages and all kinds of the, the significant events in life were recorded in our Bibles. Well, there's a place in there uh, for you to do that. So I mentioned this to tell you that if you know a Gideon, or you can go to uh, the Gideons International website and you can sign up to be a friend of the Gideons. It's a very short form and, uh, and they will make these available to you. It's a great thing to do um, when the weather is nice. Perhaps someone who's joined us today is saying, well, the weather's always nice here. Well, <laughs> lucky you, you get to go out many more times than, than, uh, than we do. But you can take these and you can pass these out. Just ask someone, would they like to receive a copy of the word of God and hand it to them? And I might also encourage you, friends, you've heard me say this before. When you approach someone, you can completely disarm them by asking a very simple question. And that is, I'm out in the neighborhood today and I want to pray for people. Is there anything I can pray for you about? And I'll tell you something from experience, friends, that completely disarms people. If anything, they're surprised that anybody would care to pray for them and whatever issues of life that that they are facing. But Mark, one of the great joys in life is to, to be able to approach a complete stranger and share the love of Christ and know, know that we just left some seeds there that the father is going to grow. Yes. And, and, you know, I, I love the, the, when we talk and, and we, we talk about this, you know, one thing that, we need to realize is that, you know, we're not responsible for the outcome. We're not, we're, we're just asked to go and, and share the gospel. And, um, we just did a training with the Gideons this week and it was, it was just great. It was, it was a beautiful training because, you know, it, it helps you realize that, you know, you talk to somebody about where they are with the Lord, you know, it's a conversation. It's not a presentation. So, the icebreaker is like you said, you know, hey, can can we pray for you today? You know, and how can we pray for you? And that just leads into the conversation where the Lord can use you to share the gospel uh, with someone and um, and leave the results in God's hands. It takes a lot of pressure off of us, you know, as individuals, because I used to think that, well, if somebody didn't accept Christ, there was something wrong with me. And I think I shared with you at, at, at the beginning of this uh, program that, you know, how I tried to, a guy told me at one time that, oh, God will never tell you not to share the gospel with somebody. And uh, and I went in my own power, you know, because that's how I was. And, and uh, oh, I got chewed up and spit out and just didn't understand what was going on. Caught myself 
rebuking in the name of Jesus, you know, and then tried it the next day and it happens all over again. And finally, I'm like, okay, Lord, what is going on here? You know, this guy said that you would never tell me not to go. And, you know, just hearing, just instructing me to read Acts chapter 16. And I did. And I see that, you know, he forbade Paul to go in a certain area and share the gospel, you know, because he had another direction for him to go. And, um, you know, it was it was a wonderful revelation to me because God said, you know, that it, he's the one who has to prepare that heart. So now when I go share the gospel, that's the first thing that I do is pray and ask God to take me to the people he wants me to go to. And, and you know, and as we've experienced out on the streets that at the minimal, we can pray for people at the minimal. Yes, absolutely. So we can we can pray for people. And and when we go out, this is our mindset. No one is beyond God's reach. That's right. No one. And uh, so we try not to pass anybody up. If we see them, we're going to try to engage them, give them a a pocket testament um, and uh, ask them if we can pray for them. even the very first uh, Saturday morning last year that we went out, um, Kathy and I and um, uh, Teresa, another lady from the fellowship, we were on one side of the street, you and Sandy, and I think somebody else was with you on the other side of the street, and we're canvassing downtown um, (laughs) and talking to people. And the very first person that we that we engaged in conversation and and gave them a Bible. Kathy, bold as a lion, <laughs> asked, asked this man uh, if he was born again. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? And he said, no. And Kathy said, would you like to? And he, I think he was a little surprised. He said, well, yeah. <laughs> so Kathy walked him through uh, a very clear a very simple gospel presentation, and then ask him if he would like to pray to receive Christ, trust Christ, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does it say in the scripture repeatedly? Believe in the Lord and you will be saved. Amen. You'll be saved. It's Sometimes we make it too hard, I think, Mark. We, we, we try to, and we don't need to. We just... Stick no. with the very simple gospel. That's that's the best practice, isn't it? Yes, yes. Um, so simple, <laughs> so simple. We do complicate it. We think we can tweak the message, and we don't need to. We don't need to. John three sixteen says it. You know, uh, says it all. And you know, when we when we share Jesus Christ with people. I've come to find that a lot of people are hesitant because they look at the fact that God, um, they they look at God in a way that he, he wants perfection. And you have to be that way before you can come to the Lord. And it's sad that, that there are some uh, flavors out there that even push that today. And, and it's so far from the truth. And so when I get to talk to somebody about Jesus, I get to share my own testimony. I get to share my own failures. And, and say, hey, look, God loved me through it all. 
and and he's continuing to change my life and he's continuing to shape me and mold me into the image of jesus christ and that's what he wants to do with all of us and 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 when we start having conversations like that and being open with other people and honest about our own walk and 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 uh and our own shortcomings that people are more susceptible to hear a real story and um absolutely and listen absolutely absolutely true and and um and over the years i've had many people tell me oh i've i've done this or i've done that or the lord could never forgive me of this and y- you know you know you've experienced that yes. people will just roll out and they think that they are beyond god's reach and i like to remind them one of the most powerful verses in in all of scripture is uh uh, Romans 5, 8, and I've used that a lot. And it simply says that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. So I use that when somebody says, oh, God can never forgive me of this or that or the other thing to tell them, listen, God isn't waiting for you to clean your act up because you can't, right. but he can and he wants to. Yeah. Do you want him to remember that was a question that the Jesus that Jesus asked a man in the synagogue, "What do you want me to do for you?" Yeah, can you imagine Jesus asking someone that question? "What do you want me to do for you?" Wow. He, I think he even asked that question. Now that I'm thinking about it, in uh, when Jesus was walking to to Jerusalem and uh, blind Bartimaeus was on the side of the road and they were crying out, son of David, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. And uh, and the narrative says that that Jesus stopped. And he called Bartimaeus to him. And he asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? In in Bartimaeus, he didn't say, and this is this is so the the the, the depth and the beauty of this is, is just amazing. Bartimaeus said, I want you to open my eyes. He didn't say, he didn't just say, I want to be able to see. He said, I want you to open my eyes. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to behold not just the physical, but I want my eyes open so that I can see into the spiritual. I, he had already recognized Christ as Messiah. That's why he said, have mercy on us, son of David. And so Jesus is asking that same question today. When we're out and we present the gospel, that is that is the Lord's invitation to them, what would you like for me to do for you? And 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 in their brokenness, they're going to cry out, "Lord, save me!" And He saves to the uttermost, doesn't Amen. He? Amen. Amen. You know, um, Pastor Mike, I um, when God started restoring me, you know, I I seen a scripture in a whole new light, you know, in Luke. Um, chapter 22 uh, verse 31 when when Jesus was speaking to Simon and he says Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat you know we need to be careful as Christians because you know that is what Satan wants to do he wants to sift us you know and he knew he knew that um, Peter was going to deny him we all know the story of Peter and um, you know and sometimes 
you know, we as Christians, we end up in the same place as Peter, denying Christ sometimes. And, um, you know, but I, I love the follow up, you know, that he says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. You know, our Amen. faith should not fail. And and it, and then he says, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, what a beautiful message that is when we fall short, when we fail, when we deny Christ in our words, thoughts, or deeds. You know, he's right there to restore us. And, and he's to restore us so that we can go out there and tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes. He never Amen. gives up on us. That's exactly right, Mark. The Lord never gives up on us, friends. And and that's something, you know, the Lord re- has rebuked me about um, over the years, Mark, because uh, somebody just continues um, in their sin. They know better. They've professed faith in Christ and they and they continue in their sin and and, and they don't seem to want to 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 repent and, and come back into right relationship, right fellowship is a better word uh, with the Lord Jesus. And, and, you know, in years past, it was very easy for me to just say, well, when you're ready to get serious about this, holler and I'll be there for you. And it's like, well, is that really the heart of the father or should we be walking with them? <laughs> <laughs> saying, hey, you know, constantly uh, to the degree maybe they'll think you're a pest <laughs> or a nuisance. <laughs> but what you're demonstrating in a, in, a, in a real tangible way is I'm not giving up on you. The Amen. Father hasn't given up on you. Jesus doesn't give up on you. And I'm not giving up on you either. Now, if you want me to stay away, just say so. But otherwise... I'm going to be in your life. <laughs> I just want you to know <laughs> that the Lord loves you and he wants you back into a right fellowship with him. Amen. 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 I, I had a friend, you went to the funeral last week and that's what she did one time, just showed up in my life, you know, in my rebellion towards God. And, and, and I seen her coming and I thought, Oh Lord, here we go. You know? And she was like, Hey, uh, um, how you doing? And I was like, I'm not doing well, you know, I'm really not. And I said, you know, I'm not even living for the Lord right now. And I said, I just don't know what to do. She said, I didn't even come here for all that. I just come to tell you because God wanted me to tell you that he loves you. <laughs> broke my heart, broke my heart. I, I stood there and cried right in front of this girl. And I was just like, oh, just hugged her and said, thank you. You know? Yeah. That's like a love letter from Jesus right there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Special delivery, hand yes. delivered. Just want you to know, son, I still love you. Yeah. And then my thick scaldness, you know, it, it t- still took years. It took years. But, you know, God is so faithful to us and he's going to get us exactly where we want to go. And but I tell you, in my years of rebellion, you know, I, I, I lost a lot of joy and, and, and uh, a lot of peace. And I was sharing with you earlier, I never want to sacrifice that again. It is a miserable life uh, uh, to live once you experience the mountaintops with God to, to start going in a direction where there's no joy and no peace. Especially when Jesus said he prayed that we would have his joy and our joy would be full. 
and that in him we also we have peace you know so um, i never want to sacrifice that again i'm thankful that he got me through the things that i was going through and he's changed my mind my heart like david said you know he pulled him up out of that miry pit and set his feet upon a rock and he gave him a new direction and that's how i feel today and i'm very grateful for that amen and i'm i'm reminded when we talk about mountaintops um that's the presence of god and and we we can have those mountaintop experiences um but i want to remind people that ministry is almost always in the valley but but the presence of god is with you on the mountaintop it is with you in the valley we go to the mountaintop to receive that joy and that overflowing of his spirit his peace that comes upon us and abides with us so that we're in the valley and those lightning bolts are flashing all around us and the wind and the rain and the storm and and all of this is happening peace of God will bring us through those times because ministry can be like being in the storm and the father doesn't want us to lose focus in the storm because he's got people to rescue. Amen. 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 Well, Mark, I, I sure appreciate chatting with you uh, again, brother. It's always a joy and a treat to, to think on and, and, and hear you talk about the, the, deeper the richer the beautiful things of the lord jesus and friends listen this is not something that that god uh keeps behind a a wall his peace and his presence and his joy is available to all and if you will seek those things he will pour them out upon you in abundance in abundance and those things friends will enable you to weather the storms, whatever it is in your life. God wants to bring you through it. He does not want you to be harmed in it. Look to him for that deliverance today. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, Mark. Friends, that's all we have today. Please share this show with with your friends and on your platforms. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week on here on WCN TV. Thank you.